Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Jock Mailbag. My name is Damo and there is no Clarky this week. So joining me is Baron Von Crow and Lekdog to help me get through all your questions. Baron, we'll start with you. How are you? How's your Supercoach doing? What's the plan for the run home? Uh, my Supercoach team is doing just okay. I have a few issues with the usual suspects, Stuart Butters English, uh, but I'll be holding two and trading one. That's fair enough. And Lekdog, recently out of the infirmary, how's your Supercoach going? <laughs> What's your plan for the run home? Uh, my supercoach is is going okay. I've uh, I can tell you where I've landed. I'm about eight thousandth now. Before the buyers, I was outside of thirty thousand. So my goal was sort of to get into the top five percent by the end of the season. On track for that, got seven trades left, essentially one per game, um, and I've got proofs as the only real question mark at the moment. So if he plays. It's no worries. If he's out, then he's probably probably got to find someone with one trade to go to. So we'll uh, we'll see how that all pans out this week. And you mentioned your rank there, like dog. It feels like much like the AFL ladder. Not a lot is separating those ranked at ten thousands to those ranked in the top one hundred. It's really just like someone has had a few extra 20 points here and here and there to boost them up. Like, there's not a lot of points separating the people between uh, the top 100 and the top 10,000. No. Well, you look at uh, this week's winner, Big Chungus, scored 27-7-2, which is a mam- mammoth score, jumped like 25,000 places in the ranking uh, this week alone. Um, and then you look at the uh, the guy leading it all, Caleb from Prestia's Premiers. Shout out to Caleb, who listens to our podcasts and is on in the comments on the Jock Reynolds website. He's number one overall, and um, he, he's he got a kind of large gap of 210 points to second place. But you look at the next like bunch of, bunch of players in the top of the rankings, and there's stuff all separating them all. So it's very tight at the top end, and as you said, it flows through sort of you know, quite deep in the rankings this year. It's good to have a close competition. It means you really have to search for those points of difference and move in directions that maybe you didn't really plan on going in to try and boost yourself up the rankings. Isn't that right, Baron? Yeah, there's uh, quite a few um, juicy primos still out there who don't have high ownership. So uh, I think if you're trying to make a push further up, that could definitely be something you consider. All right, we've got lots of questions today, so we'll push into them. And these first two questions can probably be clumped together. Josh on Twitter wants to know the best premium option under $555,000. And the real Stewie Fraser wants to know the best defender under $564,000. So around the same price point. We'll start in defense to answer Stewie Fraser's question. Who is the best defender under $564,000? Well, I might be a little biased here, but Daniel Rich is a pretty decent option at uh, 540-odd K. Um, he's served me very well since I bought him in another 135 on the weekend, averaging 111 over his last five and 124 over his last three. In f- uh, just under 15,000 teams, and, uh, you know, there's he's been tagged once this year. I don't see that happening again. So uh, obviously a biased pick, but he is my pick for the best defender under that price threshold. I would definitely 
pick up Daniel Rich if that is who you can afford. There are some cheaper options around, and I'm sure we'll discuss some of those a little bit later. What about you, Baron? Who's the best defender you think of when you look at the price list there? Uh, for under 564K, I had Dan Houston from uh, Port Adelaide as the best defender just because I do like the uh, mid-forward swing too. Uh, his five-round average has been 112.8, which is what puts him in the five-round averages, puts him uh, fifth best. Uh, and the other five better than him are all above four, 564K. So, well, except Tom Stewart, but you're obviously not going to trade him in this week. So, uh, yeah, I had uh, uh, Dan Houston as my uh, number one best defender. All right, moving further up the ground now. Actually, before we move on, Dan Houston is the kind of player who you look at and go, can he continue this? Can he continue this? And I'm sure that's what most people have been looking at for most of the year. And they've seen him just roll through and continue putting up these good scores. But I think he's still fairly... Oh, fuck. <laughs> hey, guys, the podcast is starting. <laughs> he's still fairly... Uh, he's still got a fairly low ownership, but I think he's still a really, really good option. And that dual position eligibility, as you said there, is quite valuable. We'll move down the field now, as I wanted to do just before. Um, who's the best midfield option under 550K? Yeah, there's look, there's there's a, quite a few options you can look at. I, one that I'll flag, but he's been talked about a lot uh, in, in the last couple of podcasts, um, is Ben Keys. I don't think he's it's a, a, anyone here is going to be surprised that I'm bringing him up again, averaging 111 on the year. If you look at his five-round and three-round average of 99 and 102, it's not super exciting. But at 531K, 113 on the weekend, and a relatively easy run home. Melbourne this week's going to be tough, but Hawthorne, Collingwood, Sydney, Carlton, West Coast, North, and Port Adelaide, those last three games are very tasty uh, in your finals and leading into the, the final game. Only two games this year below 100. One was a 96, and one was a 68 against Gold Coast. So... Yeah, I think he's a he's a primo selection, affordable and only in yeah fourteen thousand teams. So he would be my my selection. Shout out to Emper X on Twitter. He's a big fan of Ben Keys. What about you, Baron? Do you like Ben Keys? Uh yes, I do like Ben Keys. He's in my team already. Um, if I was looking at trading in a midfielder under what did we say five fifty five? That's it. Yep. Yep. Um, Jack Steele would be my go to. Absolutely. 553k. His ownership's down to 6.2% as well because so many people have traded him out. So that's probably not into your point of difference territory, but enough people don't own, own him that it could definitely make a huge difference to your team. It's good that you mentioned Jack Steele there because Kyle Chandler has asked a question as well. Do we trust Jack Steele after one game? Or he was looking at Callum Mills as a more expensive option, or is Callum Mills the safer selection? So, I, so are we happy with Jack Steele after one game? I would be, absolutely. He's got history. Like It's not like this is a new kid on the block thing. He's had, what, two years of primo history behind him now? So I wouldn't have any concerns at all. I actually trust him more than Callum Mills. I know Matt Callum Mills is averaging 120 this year. He's been awesome. But the price point does matter. And just generally, I think Jack Steele's a more reliable super coach option for us. He's got... Carlton this week, his last three scores, 158, 136, and 99 against them. Averages 125 against the Blues. 
fact, he averages over 100 against all of his opponents coming up except Fremantle and uh, Geelong, and both of those averages are kind of impacted by some some injuries and whatnot. So, yeah, for me, Jack Steele is absolutely a no-brainer, and I might even try and find a way to bring him into my team this week using Proust as a step up. Not sure how I'm going to do it, but having seen his price for the first time this week, it's very tempting, Damo. I had Jack Steele before his injury. Um, I I don't think I'm going to be finding a way to get him back. I just don't have enough trades to do that luxury move there. Uh, Brody Grundy is due to return fairly soon. He's going to lose. He's not going to lose any money. But is he someone that we can target in the ruck line when he comes back? It's a, it's an interesting one because the rucks are still not very settled, are they, guys? Like, people have got Jared. Pretty much everyone's got Jared Witts now. Some version of of Tim English and maybe holding a Max Gorn still, but it's 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 a tough one. Ideally, you'd have Braden Proust because he's still in sixteen percent of teams play this week and upgrade him to Brody when he's back. But then again, Brody wasn't amazing when he was playing. Uh, you know, he had. Four of his six scores above 100, but we weren't seeing the 130s we were probably used to from Brody Grundy. So he's not a must-have, but he's an interesting option and will be a pod by that time. And Baron KW on Twitter wants to know, is Darcy Cameron just plain better than Brody Grundy? You could certainly argue he is. Um, now, whether he can continue that when Grundy comes back is the the huge question mark. Um it's just, it's so hard to predict what they will do. Like, you know, they could decide, okay, we're splitting 50-50 down the middle and then they both become useless. They could go, no, nope, Grundy's back in it. He's 80% of the ruck minutes and Grundy takes off and Cameron takes a dive. Um, it's unpredictable. It's I wouldn't feel comfortable banking on either just because it feels like just they're They'll play it by ear each game, you know. We'll start off Grundy. If he's struggling, off he goes and uh, Cameron comes in. And if Grundy's doing well, hey, you don't change something that's working well. So, All right, we'll move to the forward line because we still haven't answered that first question entirely yet. So I'm just moving down the field here and answering the questions as we go. Best forward option under 555K. Under 555k. I'm assuming we want to look at pods because you know we don't want to talk about a Will uh, Josh Dunkley or a Luke Parker. I think they're probably in too many teams. Um, for me, and I, I don't know, I, I bought in Todd Goldstein this week. I think he's a decent option, but is the best option, is it Taylor Walker? I'm just asking the question. Patch asked me on the podcast during the week and I said no then, but I've thought about it since, and I don't know, Baz, you, you'll know more than I will. Uh, no, I don't believe it will be the case. He has become the type of player where he'll have a hot three or four weeks, and then he starts to feel the effects of just that amount of football, and he'll need a week off, or he'll start to struggle. Um, so I don't feel confident trading him in at this point, because we've got, what, seven weeks left? Um, so yeah, I would, he's got to lay an egg at least two of the next four games, I reckon. And like, he's playing Melbourne next week. It's just super tough to see that happening. You know, that he keeps scoring consistently above a hundred in that time. 
I guess the thing that he has going for him, and I don't know, Damo, if you think this this impacts players that much, but he is playing for a new contract, isn't he, Baz? He's that's sewn up. That's not a question of if he will get a contract or not. It's just a matter of how long he gets. So, um, but like they've got Melbourne, Hawthorne, Collingwood, and Sydney in their next four, and realistically, three of those four they could lose by fifty plus. Damo, is he a guy? Maybe you could look at. I know it's not helpful to the question for this week. Maybe you look at him down the line, and he finishes the year. West Coast, North, and Port Adelaide—the same as Ben Keys. Maybe he's a he's a hail mary for your your league wins at the end of the year rather than an on option this week. It certainly surprised me how good Taylor Walker has been this year, but we've seen him pull out these sorts of scores before and then trail off. And as Baron said, he's an older man. He's likely to ta- he's likely to sort of tail off a little bit and likely to need a week off and. Sorry, Baz. Adelaide's not playing finals this year, um, <gasps> so that, they might. So they might choose to blood like a um, Lockie Gallant a bit more. They ch- might choose to see how Riley Tilthorpe and Darcy Fogarty go in the same forward line. They might choose to see how it looks without him before deciding on the contract length and how much money to give him. Yeah, I don't think. Um... That's out of the realm of possibility, certainly towards the last month of the year too. Um, once he's got his contract sewn up, they could just say, yeah, we're going to try a few things. You take a few weeks off. Um, and like I said, yeah, we'll try a Tillsorpe and Fogarty or we'll throw Gallant in or uh, even uh, Fisher McCasey, who's been playing forward uh, in the Sandfield this year as well. To sort of help sum up this question, the forward line, finding someone under 555K that's probably not in your team already is tough. Because you look at the top few by average, the only ones that are under 555k, Dunkley, everyone has. Bailey Smith, he's still suspended. And then it's like Luke Parker, who's the seventh most expensive if you rank by average. And well, in 20- one more option there in yeah, you Harry Kilberg at 548k. He's only at 6.7% of teams. Uh, he's been scoring very well since they've uh, moved him uh, down back. So... Three-round average of 132, five-round average of 120. The thing that terrifies me about Harry Himmelberg is Mark McVeigh coming out every week and saying that there's a temptation to throw him forward. One day, where everyone's going to jump on him because he scores another 114 again, and then he averages 60 for the rest of the year because he is thrown forward because all these players have returned for the Giants because their injury list is not small at the moment. That just, it sort of feels like it's a bit of a gamesmanship to me. Like he's playing so well down there. I just, I don't see the point of moving him. And maybe he's thinking, oh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try and get the opposition offside by saying, oh, we're going to play him forward just so they maybe don't prepare for it as much. Could you look at someone like a Jeremy Cameron? The Geelong run home is so. I won't say easy because they have Melbourne and Carlton on the run home in, in, in successive weeks, but they, they've they got some teams that probably aren't going to play finals, some teams with some shaky back lines, some teams that probably the tall forwards, we can even throw Tom Hawkins into this conversation as well, who's about 100k cheaper. One of these guys could average 90, 95 on the, on, on the run home. 
I certainly don't mind the Jeremy Cameron call. I prefer him to Tom Hawkins for the rest of this year. He's been really he's been really solid this year. Uh, has Jeremy Cameron a couple of dud scores in there, a sixty one and a forty six, but a few sort of upper echelon scores of one fifty three and one thirty one. As you've said, run homes solid. Uh, has North this week, Melbourne, Carlton, Port, Bulldogs, St Kilda, Gold Coast, West Coast. He's in really good form. They're looking to him to kick goals, and he wants to win the Coleman medal, so he's certainly not going to be passing too many off. I think he's a really decent option, and I'd probably back him in over a, a Taylor Walker as a comparative key forward type target. Simon on Twitter wants to know, is Jake Stringer a viable cheap option for those running low on trades. Another cheapie in the forward line, $376,000. Two scores of 98 or more in his last two games. Is he an option? Is he going to continue this sort of scoring on Essendon's run home? I can't even find him in my in my chart, to be honest. I hadn't even considered him. Um, I don't know. I just think, I think, Essendon is going to continue to struggle, and I've not been super amazed by his form. I think his great scoring, was it last year, was was an anomaly uh, for the most part. I think if you're looking for a really cheap options, I think there's other guys. He's a little bit more expensive. I'd almost rather back in Dustin Martin, and I don't want to pick Dustin Martin. So both both of them are a no from me. I'd almost rather like a Kadeen Coleman or something if you're looking for a cheapie who – is scoring relatively well. He's 407k defense forward, averaging 89 over the last five rounds since he came back from injury. I'd rather look at someone like him than than a stringer. Baron Corey on Twitter wants to know: Is Aaron Hall or Hayden Young the better investment for his backline? Uh, if he's healthy, Aaron Hall, I would select. But of course, that's got the uh, big qualifier: if he's healthy. Um, he just ran around doing and did whatever he wanted on the weekend. And I don't think that sort of role was going to change for him at all. Um, so yeah, I would pick Aaron Hall out of the two. I really like Aaron Hall. His hamstrings scare me. The thing that I've picked up about Hayden Young though, and this is something that people may want to have a look at. He's only had a handful of scores under 80 and seems to have stepped into the role that Luke Ryan was playing. Luke Ryan's had more of a lockdown role this year. He's had some really good scores, but I think Hayden Young has that massive ceiling that Luke Ryan used to have with that really solid floor base as well. So I think they're both really good options. As you said, Aaron Hall is probably the better one to go for because he's got that freedom and has that role that North Melbourne really need him to play, whereas Hayden Young can play a, a... myriad of roles throughout a game which can affect his scores but I don't mind either option Aaron Hall is obviously the better option but I like both options as an investment um Lechdog if Butters doesn't return this week who are the best replacements obviously we've already talked about the forward line but who would you get who pin down your flag who would you bring in if you were trading Butters uh, give me a price range to work in here, Damo, because if I'm trading him, I'm trading him to Rory Laird, but I'm assuming that's not going to be a helpful answer. Um, anyone around that 470k mark? 
470k. Um, you could look at like a Christian Petrarca. It's not a super exciting, sexy pick, but he still was able to pump out a 97 on the weekend. Um, he's he's more of a name brand than any of the other guys. You could go down to an Isaac Heaney, who I think has more upside than we've seen over the last few rounds. He's averaging well below his season average at the moment, but I think that presents value at 459k. Then if you're just going YOLO, I'm picking a dude. Uh, I know he's been disappointing to for those who jumped on him earlier in the year, but Scott Pendlebury at $439,000. He's got defense mid eligibility, 130 on the weekend. He's averaging 96 for the year. It's None of these are like super exciting picks, but if I was going to take a flyer, I'd, I'd look at one of those three guys with Isaac Heaney probably at the top of that list. I agree. Isaac Heaney is probably who I would bring in as well. Baron, Harry's run into a dilemma. There's not a lot of rookies coming up on the horizon. There's not a lot of rookies being played. He wants to know, how does he upgrade his final rookie with his only cash generators being Rioli, Clark, and Ware, all with shaky job security? Uh. Yeah, you, that might be one you just have to wait out a bit longer. Um, there's plenty of downgrade options at the moment this week in particular. Uh, in defence, you've got uh, um, D'Ambrasio and um, who am I thinking of? Someone Brody Kemp's also on the bubble at 156K yep. in defence. Uh, and uh, Rhett uh, Bazo was the one I was thinking of from uh, West Coast, who's also uh, on the bubble this week at 117.3K. Um, so you can make a little bit of cash if you downgraded this week. Um, whether that's enough to then do another upgrade, uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you without knowing the full team he's got there. Here's a, yeah. Can I throw a question at you guys? I, I know that's not how this normally works, but having seen Rowan Marshall sign on for five-year extension today uh, back off the back of a 156 against Sydney, is he an option in the ruck line at 428k? Damo, do you think, is he back? Um, until Paddy Ryder retires, I'm not picking Rowan Marshall. Oh, yeah, I forgot Paddy Ryder didn't play on the weekend. That is so annoying. Once Paddy Ryder retires, Rowan Marshall is going to be everyone's first ruck in their team. Won't they have Jack Hayes or whatever his name is back by then? Won't he ruin it for us? Jack Hayes didn't affect Rowan Marshall's scoring all that much. Jack Hayes was basically playing forward, wasn't he? So that's what you want. You want someone to be sitting up yeah, forward for, for, for Marshall to be rucking. Uh, yeah, great. All right. That's sensible, Demo. Thank you for answering my question. Next question we have, I think it's a pretty easy answer to this one, but we'll answer it anyway. Ash on Twitter wants to know, do they turn Paddy McCartan into Aaron Hall with Nick Dacos's cover on their bench? Or... Do they trade Nick Dacos to Tom Stewart when he when his suspension is over in four weeks? No, tra- make the make the Aaron Hall trade now. If you've got Dacos as cover, I think that's a, a fantastic cover. I'm using him as cover myself at the moment. Yeah, I'd, easy answer. I just wanted to get it out in the did open. Did they say how many answered. trades they have left? They did not. No, because the only way I would think you would do the second one is if you had maybe three or four trades left and you might want to just hold off on unnecessary yeah, trades That's right now point. since Dacos is scoring well. That would be the only way I'd consider the second one. 
Last question before we get into the tips and ca- uh, tips and captains. I've seen this around Twitter, but this is a direct question to us. Jevs on Twitter wants to know, should he turn Jaden Short into Liam Baker or Nick Blakey? I don't think he should turn Jaden Short into anyone, to be honest. Uh, Jaden Short scored 152 or whatever it was against West Coast in this midfield role that he is playing last time they played about, gee, six minutes ago, what it feels like. Um, so I think if you're set on trading Jaden Short, give him one more week at least. He's just, yeah. having, like, he's just having a downward patch. Yeah, look, he's still getting those CBAs. He's still kind of playing as a midfielder. He has dipped, but I'm with you. I think the only way I'm trading him, Jaden Short, that is, is, is if I'm sort of in contention for the Supercoach Grand Prize. Like if I'm – or I'm pushing for a top 1% finish or whatever it is. The only, if, the only way I'm moving him is I'm moving to a pod if I'm at the pointy end and everything is going smoothly. I don't think there's much risk in holding him. I don't think he's a must trade. And as you've said, I think there's a reasonable chance he bounces back and gets back to scoring really well really quickly. Although, Baron, gun to your head – Liam Baker or Nick Blakey? Uh, Nick Blakey. Oh, I was going to go Liam Baker. Well, we're both dead, maybe. Tiebreaker, <laughs> Lechdog? Uh, given I tried to trade Nick Blakey into my team a few weeks ago before he was a laid out, I would have to say him, although Liam Baker's forward defence option is uh, is very interesting. Blakey All right. just. <laughs> All right, we'll move into tips and captains. We're going to do it a little bit differently today. Most people listening will know who the captain options are, but so I'm just going to push some information in front of everyone just to sort of put the obvious option into your face a little bit. Lions face the Dogs um, Thursday night at the Gabba. McRae averages 151 points against the Lions over his last three meetings i think he is the prime candidate for your vice captaincy game 200 as well damo milestone game and we know players tend to score higher in their milestone games yep i'm tipping the lions i'm tipping the lions um and mccray is definitely my vice captaincy option this week but obviously there are the other candidates out there as well bontempelli dunkley neil obviously those guys are also out there as well. Anyone else who I'm not covering off on? From that first game, I think you've nailed most of them. Although I think if you have an Adam Trelaw, he would be a a bit of a YOLO VC for me. Uh, Averages 122 against Brisbane and 113 at the Gabba. So he just likes playing them. And and that appeals to me, Damo. His last three, 118, 150 and 110 against the Lions. Lechdog, your boys, the Blues, take on the Saints at Marvel Stadium on Friday night. Jack Steele averages 131 points against the Blues over his last three. Well, we've said we can trust him as a trading option. Can we trade him as a captaincy option? Trust him as a captaincy option? 100%. 100%. The Blues... They don't tag, they give a little bit of attention at stoppages, but I, I don't think they're going to stop him from accumulating and scoring uh, highly. So I think he's a reasonable option. Other than that, 
you know, if you wanted to have chuck a VC on Paddy Cripps, his role is in real football terms more impactful at the moment, but it's not translating to super coach scoring. But historically, he has a pretty good time against St Kilda. He's pr- probably the only two I'd really look at. I don't know if St Kilda are going to put any time into Sam Doherty, but it's always in the back of my head, Damo, when I think about uh, vice-captaining that man. Baron, anyone else from this game that you would consider putting the vice-captaincy or captaincy on? Uh, no, that would just be um, Steele or Cripps, unless Ryder misses again and you happen to own Marshall. Yeah, if they bring back uh, Jaron Geary, St Kilda, then don't VC Sam Doherty because he tagged him last time for 89 points. So that's that's about it. The next game, and this one game is always a fun one for Supercoach because it's pretty high scoring when it comes to uh, the Supercoach land. Bombers versus Swans. Luke Parker averages 122 against the Bombers. Mills averages 127 against the Bombers. And Merritt averages 109 over the last three. So there's three options right there who you can put the vice-captaincy on if you haven't gone with anyone in the Thursday or Friday night games. Yeah, I don't think many people are going to take an option from this game. Just because of the the way it's scheduled. Yeah, I I think some people who are looking to get a leg up might put the vice-captaincy on Callum Mills, but... Given the next game is so close that it almost crosses over, they might choose to give this one a miss just because it's going to be hard to flick the switch in time before you know their final scores. Crows against the Demons at Adelaide Oval. Clayton Oliver loves playing the Crows. He's scored over 200 the last two times against the Crows at Adelaide Oval. Averages 167 against them in his last three outings. He is the obvious captaincy option this week, I would say. Baron? Absolutely. You don't see a tag coming his way? Uh, we don't have anyone who could tag. Like We tried to put Jackson Haley on Patrick Cripps earlier in the year. that It didn't do anything. It's yeah. There's nothing they could do to stop him. I'm tipping the Blues on Friday night. I'm tipping the Swans on on the first game on Saturday. We haven't gone through the tips properly. Um, I'll just quickly get your tips up to this point, boys. Uh, I'll be tipping the Brisbane Lions, the Carlton Football Club, and the Sydney Swans. And uh, I'll be tipping Melbourne against Adelaide. Yep. I'm with you all the way on all those tips there. Baron, what are you? Can the guys Uh, do it? I'm the same on those. No, we won't do it again. By the way, just just one one other. Not that anyone's going to not use uh, Clayton Oliver, but I quite like Jordan Dawson as a little sneaky option as the guy who takes a lot of kick-ins for Adelaide. Uh, Melbourne tend to give up a lot of points to whoever's playing that role, so Jordan Dawson would be a smoky. But obviously, Clayton Oliver is a much better option. Cats against North at GMHBA Stadium. There's no real standouts in this game. There are players who could go massive because of the opponent, but I don't think there are any captaincy options in this game. So straight to the tips, the Cats should win easily at home. You'd bloody well. 100%. (laughs) And I tell you what, uh, North give up big scores to key forwards. So it's probably a good week actually to bring in a 
one of those boys, boys we spoke about before, Damo, Jeremy Cameron or Tom Hawkins, because they're going to score a lot this week. And on Saturday night, the Suns take on the Pies at Metricon Stadium. Tuke Miller averages 132 against the Pies with 160 last time they met in round seven. That's he, a lot of points. <laughs> it, it is a lot of points. I would say by this moment in the round, people would probably have their captains sewn up. But if someone has only VC'd Oliver, Took Miller would probably be the next would be would be the best option to put your C on just in case. Yeah, I think so. I think Took Miller's a natural selection. A guy we spoke about earlier in the pod, Scott Penry, loves playing Gold Coast, but different role these days. Did score 115 though in round seven, but that's not sort of high enough to warrant um, warrant captaincy. So, yeah, took, took for sure. And I am tipping the Suns here to respond after their loss last week and their insipid performance in round seven versus the Pies. I think they will break the Pies winning streak in this game. I second your thoughts, Damo. I'm tip, also tipping Gold Coast. Okay. I'll go against the consensus. I'm going for Collingwood on this one. Okay, all right. Uh, next game early Sunday is Tigers versus Eagles. Jaden Short scored 152 playing his midfield role last time they met in round seven. So we've already talked about the case for holding him at least one more week for those looking to luxury trade. But there's not a lot of captaincy options in this game outside of him potentially. And you would only do the vice captaincy option. And on a Sunday, you would have to flick that switch pretty quickly. Yeah, if you've got captains on in like a draft league, Tom Lynch, West Coast give up big points, another team that gives up big points to key forwards. So Tom Lynch, I think he scored over 200, didn't he, last time these guys played? Well, pretty close too. I think he would have scored 200 if he kicked straight, but he but he ended up with like three goals, eight or, or something, something ridiculous like that. But yeah, definitely an option uh, if you're in a situation where you don't have any of the other players we've talked about. And I think you've got bigger problems than... The middle game on Sunday is Giants versus Hawks. Again, there's no real captaincy option in this game. So uh, tipping the Tigers, by the way, um, and I'm tipping the Giants against the Hawks. Yep, Tigers and Giants for me as well, Damo. Baron, going with Uh, Yep, Tigers, and uh, no, I'm going the Hawks in this one too. Okay. Last game on the round, the Dockers take on the power. No Dockers actually score very well against Port Adelaide, but Ollie Wines has has averaged 126 against Freo with two of his last three outings against them above 130 points. So he is an option if you're needing to captain in the last game of the round, which I'm superstitious. I don't like putting the captain on in the last game of the round. No, I, I'm avoiding this game for captains for... The points you said. Someone's going to go massive, but it's not going to be someone that you have in your super coach team lister out there. It's going to be like a, I don't know, who, who's a crazy name? Like a, like a Michael Walters if he comes back from injury will be like the top scorer. Um, I'm tipping the Dockers, surprise. Uh, who are you guys going with? I will also be tipping Fremantle, although actually, and my smoky for the high score for Port is Aaliyah Aaliyah because he is in a milestone game. Milestone, milestone game, and uh, and I'm superstitious like that. Baron, are you tipping the boys in purple? Yes, I am tipping. Go Frio. Go Crows. 
And with that, we have gone through all the games, answered all your questions, and now it's time to sign off. Before we go, though, I'm going to let you, let everyone in, let listeners in on a little secret. Round 21 will be the final mailbag podcast of the season, but we've got something big planned. We'll share more details as the time gets closer, but all will be revealed soon. Thank you, listeners. And thank you, Baron and Lekdog, for joining me here today. You run a tight ship. Thank you for having us. All their handles will be in the description on the website if you want to follow them. Remember, community, you can ask us questions using the hashtag Jock Mailbag. Good luck, community. This has been the Jock Mailbag for round 16.